My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. All right. Thanks for tuning into the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Today we did a uh, swap cast with Rick from the Tin Biscuit podcast. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty fun conversation. We talk a little bit about Aleister Crowley. For the record, he's a bad person. I don't like Aleister Crowley at all. Uh, but, you know, after the Tim Hat episode, I guess I have to say that anytime I bring up his name. But, yeah, enjoy the episode. It's a fun conversation from across the ocean. I'm recording. Welcome to the Tim Biscuit podcast, but it's not only the Tim Biscuit podcast. We're doing something called a Sharecast, aren't we? So, do you want to introduce your podcast as well? So it- also listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Steves. Thanks for having me. That's good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I see you've got your coffee. I've got my tea. It's um, it's a, what what, what time is it? It's like half eight now in like the UK. What some time is it there? You're five hours behind, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, three thirty right now. Uh, I don't know what that is in military time, but yeah, three thirty. Let's see, fifteen, fifteen thirty. <laughs> cool. So, <laughs> so what should we talk about? You had the subject in mind, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, we kind of, uh, you know, for those listening who don't know this, we kind of got to know each other over the whole um, Crowley subject because as I'm doing the research to uh, to do this episode that's already been released on Tinfoil Hat, you know, I'm just kind of enveloped in Crowley information, doing research, listening to podcasts. And, you know, you were following, I think it was the podcast zero, you know, the Instagram I, I worked for yep. Sam, it's new uh, podcast. And I don't know if it was like you reached out to me or vice versa, but either way, I got on to this that you're you know, you had this Bolskin box, the Boleskin box from the Boleskin house where Crowley did his um, ritual of Abramelin. So, you know, it, it was just kind of the more I get into this stuff, the more I notice the synchronicities in the world. And you and I meeting, you know, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. This is one of those moments because here I am doing all this research on Crowley, getting books and stuff. And you're over there, and tell me a little bit more about um, what exactly you have, the Boleskin box there. Well, I was looking for a debit box to open just for purely shits and giggles on like my YouTube channel. And then I noticed this box. To be fair, I will get it out because I've got it in this case, and I'll just show you all. Um, And that's it there. Ooh. (laughs) Very creepy. <laughs> so I, I, I got that on um, eBay. And the reason why I like sort of found that one on eBay, because it didn't look like it was all covered in wax. It didn't look like a fake. It had a, a, a like a six-pointed star on it, which is I thought was the Star of David. Then it introduced me to the Seal of Solomon. Yep. And then that led me down the path. Um, so I paid about £97 for it plus a bit extra for postage um and it's like sort of went from there i sort of in, in, like investigated bolskin house um there was a smart i mean i've done videos on i've done six videos um, and everyone said the wax looks too new uh, this looks too new that looks too new um 
But then I, I, I was speaking to someone yesterday and he works with wax. And like he said, it's near impossible to tell about wax and paper. Paper's quite easier because it like sort of turns yellow mm. if um, you put it into to the elements. But um, the box wax had a little gap on. Sorry? You're, so what he said is that wax doesn't have any sort of visible aging that you could kind of. He said it's quite ambiguous to tell just from yeah. looking at it. Because okay. if it's been used, but um, the reason why I got it, as I say, was to open it on a line, and that led me down the whole thing of learning about Bolskin, Alistair Crowley. I don't think I pronounced Bolskin House, but it, it's a, like I've been told it's Crowley, not Crowley, it's Crowley. Um, <laughs> just like to tell people, I've been in contact with like the seller off like eBay since about it's nearly two months now like sort of sort of month and a half and what drew me to it it's not covered in wax the guy didn't and hasn't dealt in anything like that before because if like you do notice people who sell these dupe boxes tend to have paranormal names as tend to deal in paranormal stuff this mm. was the first thing um so i so i like started researching and i had a gap in them like the box so I tried to shake it about, and I could see a coin. People said this was bullshit, but it was purely the truth. I could see a coin, and it said 1958. So from that, that's where the timeline started, from 1958. So then you had Major Edward Grant, who shot himself. Um, someone on Instagram said you don't really want to look at him, because he had troubles anyway, because he shot himself with a shotgun in Alistair Crowley's room. Wow. And that was Major Edward Grant. Then he said, maybe look at Jimmy Page. And I said, well, why Jimmy Page? And then it took me to Jimmy Page. Then I went to Keith Anger. And to cut a long story short, this, I mean, I did open it. And it's got, um, do, do you want to see the sort of things inside? Please, yeah. All right, we'll open it. Um, I had to buy a box for it because all the wax was falling off. So... That's it. It's like a hand-carved box. It's, it's all hand-carved. And as you see, it's got the seal of Solomon on. And it had wax going around. But it didn't have wax on the back. So I'll just open it and show you quickly what's inside. So you've got a dry... I think it's a... I can't ever remember them. Is it a dandy? It's not a dandelion. It's not a daffodil. It's a... I have got... I've got the notes here that um got a note that the white witch daisy. Daisy, okay. So so it's a dry daisy. Um and then this Yeah, wow. <laughs> Even that's, um, that's still wow. got human hair. It's attached to a coin which is attached to the doll, which is made from amateur wire covered in hessian sackcloth yeah um it came with another coin so this coin is they're both half pennies and um, ship half pennies and one's 59 and one's 58 that's 58 and that's 59 and then it came with a picture yeah and now yeah. I mean that's that's he that's Hebrew, and then you've got Baal. Now I recognise that instantly because I'm a massive horror fan, okay. and that's the that's the demon from Sinister. Okay. 
it's nearly a complete replica. Um, but as with the hair, you can see it's fine human hair, and it's even got a bit of sellotape here to hold it together. Huh. So, it's, so it's been locked to this, and this is called a tag lock, apparently. So think, that's. You think maybe those two pieces of hair are from different people, and that's why they're taped together like that? Maybe. It's, it's like well, I'll I'll just show you. It's like it's just like a clump of hair. It's a, oh, okay, okay. So it's very fine, and to me, I'm no hair expert, but I would say <laughs> that's a girl's hair. Yeah. Um. And from the first video, all and all that was sealed down against there. Yeah. So and then, as you see, it's all burnt. And when did that when did that movie come out um, that that guy is in? That came out in 2012, and the first fire in Balskeen House was 2015. Okay. So I mean, to from, me. From from what I know about Wicca, um, you would seal something like that in wax so that no one could ever see it. You know, once they once somebody opens the box, it's kind of like in essence like Pandora's box. Like it's out of the you know it's all gone now. But like the yeah. magic is when it's closed and sealed. So, <laughs> so that spell is long gone now. Well. That was found underneath the drawing room floorboards, and it was inside another box. Yeah. So it transpires the drawing room, which is room six, Bolskin Foundation, says that's room six, was actually his artery. Because if you look on plans from originally, there's no door, and he needed the door to open to the north. The north is overlooking Loch Ness. Yeah. So that be so that was buried underneath floorboards in his um, oratory on the in like the old oratory, which was room six, which was like the drawing room. Yeah. Um. So going back to the timeline, the 2012 to 2015, you're looking at the Dutch owners, it, like it was a private Dutch owners that used it for just a just like a holiday room. Hmm. Now the Dutch owners did have a daughter, the lady. The Dutch lady, I think she deals, I'm sure I read in an article, she deals in Japanese car parts, and she's like 74 now. Uh, she, she was born in 54, I think, which makes her 74. And the guy was born in 69, so that makes him 51. So the daughter should be, I mean, I'm 41, so it's quite possible if he had her at 21, I think she'd be 30, is it? Okay. So, but that's the timeline, and that would go with the age of the wax and things like that I didn't even know what pop it was, I didn't know what a tag lock was until um, sort of like a weight, like a white witch was helping me out um, going mm. back to the owner again, I said to him, tell me if it's a fake, because I don't mind it's, it's it's a good story I won't." and he, and he said no, truthfully it, it was his friend who found it after the first fire, because his friend went worked for a firm that went to assess fire damage properties and he found it under the floorboards, took it. He didn't feel comfortable with it. He had a run of bad luck where he crashed his car and broke his arm, things like that. Um, you can put it down to psychosomatic, which is where, obviously, if like, bad luck happens, you can relate it to anything. 
he mm. gave it to the seller. The seller kept having bad nightmares about it, and his wife didn't really like it. So after a couple of months, he decided to sell it. Well, I'll tell I've you what. A... No, go on, go, I'm sorry. Go, go. No, no, no. Say, I've, 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 I've been having a few weird dreams, but that's because I've done nearly month and a half research on everything. <laughs> so it's just that. Um, and that so kind the... of that kind of echoes what happened to me with uh, with Crowley. Okay, so. I'll try to keep this a little short because the psychosomatic angle of it, I completely understand you chalking it up to that. But in my case, I'm very aware. I've been aware of this kind of energy stuff for maybe 10 years now. I'm 26. So it was kind of a young age when I got into this stuff. But um, four years ago, I spent around the same price. How much? I don't know how much pounds is converted into dollars, but I spent about a hundred dollars on a Crowley book, right? So a lot of money, probably the most expensive book I ever ordered online, you know, and not actually from a store. So I order this book online. I take it uh, to work with me because at the time I worked at a cafe and I had time to read. So I'm standing there at the cafe, the books under the counter and it's a big book. I mean, it's Crowley's, uh, Crowley's magic, right? It's it's basically a kind of like a compilation of of mo a few of his um, abbas, you know, Liber Abba. Right. So I have this book with me, and the strangest thing happens. The man walks in. He's very uh, kind of disheveled looking, but he's young, and he's not disheveled enough to look homeless, like he had been sleeping on the streets, but. In the city where I, I live, in New Haven, Connecticut, there's a lot of homeless people. So when you see someone like that, that's usually what you would you know, assume. So he comes in. I have the Crowley book. He doesn't order anything. You know, Usually people buy their coffee and then sit down. He sits down. He sets up a Bible and electric candles, the kind of candles that you get from like, you know, for, for like a Christmas decoration. So it doesn't yeah. all catch on flame, you know. So he's got these little candles and the Bible, and he's like muttering to himself and scribbling words in between the lines in the Bible. And uh, I was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? So I walk up to him and I'm like, excuse me, sir, you know, you got to you got to buy something to sit here. You can't just use the <clears throat> cafe. So he was like, oh, I was going to buy something. Don't get, you know, he got gave me an attitude. So I gave him, you know, he comes, he gets a coffee. I give him his coffee. And then he's drinking the coffee outside, smoking a cigarette, leaves the Bible, leaves the candles, right? So I'm like, okay, this is weird. I don't want this in the cafe. This seems like he's doing some kind of, because I go over to the Bible and he's writing 666. He's writing Antichrist. You know, all these weird words are popping out that he's writing in between the letters of the Bible. So I take his stuff and I gently just put it outside the door because he's outside. I figured, you know, maybe that'll get the message to him like without a confrontation, like, hey, this kind of stuff's not welcome here. So he comes back into the cafe with the Bible in hand and he starts yelling at me, you know, I'm the reincarnation of Charles Manson and I'm here to, I'm here to enslave the spirit of Aleister Crowley, you know, like this big like gibberish you know how like what this kind of person like where you're not taking them seriously they're just kind of trying to scare you you know but the fact yeah. that he names Aleister Crowley and I have Aleister Crowley's book you know right under me uh, at the counter there right under the register 
it was just so weird. And, and that was the moment where I realized like, okay, Crowley's some dark stuff. Be careful when you wade into these waters because yeah. there is the energy surrounding him, you know, and that's maybe what this guy found when he found this box is, is he, he picked up a little more than he, he bargained for, you know? And Well, like, do you, I mean, like, sort of, I mean, it's got AC in them, like, the corner, the bottom right-hand corner, it's got, and it's got, all, like, AC. So, like, from 1958, I, like, could tell it wasn't Crowley because he died in 47. But yeah. saying that, I'd, like, try to do some research to see about everything. So I bought that, which is the lesser key of, Sol- um, the lesser key of, like, Solomon and the Book of Law, just to try and do some research and looked into his rituals to see. And yeah, if you look into the Seal of Solomon, the Seal of Solomon, King Solomon had his ring to control the spirits, talk to the spirits and animals, demons and angels and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, I mean, it, that is a bit disappointing that it came so near. But on the other hand, it's not disappointing. Um, the thing what disappointed for me that made me think, I bet it's a scam, was that um, picture. So I took the picture and I said, look, to the guy, is this a scam? Took a picture and he, and he sort of said, that looks exactly like it. I'm going to message my mate and like, if that's true, I'm going to be well pissed off because obviously we've been known each other since sort of kindergarten age. Um, and his mate come back and said, I've got nothing to do with that at all. Um, but I'll just go over some notes that the the, the woman said to me was... Um, it says the puppet with the tag lock is of someone who performed the ritual using their own hair. The coins are to pay the ferryman to take the demon back to where it came from. The flower was from the grounds of the house, probably to invoke. Then flowers do grow at the grounds of Bolskin house. Um, the drawing is to summon the demon and take ownership of it. The seal of Solomon on top of the box is to tell it to go back. The wax on the box is to seal the demon inside. The purpose of the ritual to summon the demon, bind them claim ownership of the demon and remove their negative influences from the house by sending them back to the underworld. And then it's, she like goes on about the divot box. I mean, obviously there's a bit of, maybe the divot box is a bit of a fictional thing from um, the Zap Baggins box. And like that, there's a bit of disparity, I think with them like that one, the flower she believes is to be a dried daisy, probably offering a, probably maybe an offering as well to Crowley himself on the grounds of Bolskin on the banks of Loch Ness. The doll is called a puppet, a resin, a, a resin, re, I can't even say it, Repre- <laughs> representation of a person. The hair attached to it is known as a tag lock, a personal item from the person of intent to bind the spell to that person. In her opinion, the doll would have been a representation of the person performing the ritual and the hair belonging to them also. The coins, the coins may have been found in the house because they are English half pennies. Um, the coins are to pay the ferryman to take the spirit back to the underworld. The dates on the coins might be the year of the person who performed the ritual were born, making them uh, approximately mid fifties. So her dad would have been about mid about mid fifties now. I know he's born. Yeah, he'd yeah yeah would be about fifty one now. The drawing is the is the Achilles heel of of the box the message in hebrew translates to be careful beware look out watch is in hebrew now i wouldn't have even thought of hebrew if i was to fake something i would have done it in latin and i I wouldn't have put a star of david on it or the seal of solomon because i didn't know about the seal of solomon before 
I've researched it, it's just would have been a pentagram and I would have made it a lot scarier. The drawing is of Bogal from the movie Sinister, which is 2012. So there from that drawing, and it is a perfect red, like sort of perfect rep, like representation. I think I've like shown you it and like Anne said before. So just get up for the viewers um, and the listeners, should I say? Sin. I don't know. It's a sign, isn't it? Sinister. So yeah, obviously you can see it's like a direct copy. Uh, Bagul origin is actually based on an ancient deity named Moloch. I don't think I pronounced that right, but that's going to no, be his name. Oh, did I? Cool. Moloch is actually the, uh, you know, about Bohemian Grove, right? Funny you should say that because I've got a book on Bohemian Grove. Um, yeah, Moloch is like the big owl statue that they, you know, burn the sacrifice for. And Moloch is like, a, you know, biblical god of, of child abuse or something yes. like sacrifice, right? He's like the god so, of sacrifice. It, she said it's like sacrifices to Moloch by the people of Israel were to burn children. Then he consumes the souls of the children and can travel into human realm via images of himself. Baal, mm. a black-hearted demon masquerading as a god. Baal was a title of uh, honorific meaning owner, lord, Baldova, demon. The red wax across the drone is to bind the demon and claim ownership of it. That's just one theory I've got. I didn't know anything about a taglock and a um, taglock and a puppet. I've studied the paranormal for most of my life, but witchcraft... N- to be truthful, has never really interested me. Wick has never really interested me. The concept of it is way too complicated, like, excuse me, way too complicated to get even into. There's loads of things. You've got to do proper rituals, like proper times of the month. It's really Candles. like a recipe from... Oh, no. Oh, are we still there? You yeah, might... I, I think I got a... I... I guess Skype uh, pauses our call if somebody calls my phone, so I'm it sorry. It will do, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, I've like had that before. So, yeah, so he went back to the person who found it, and mm. there's too much coincidence with it. The, like, guy who sold it didn't know about room six, the drawing room, the door being put in facing to the north, this, that, and like the other. And that hair is very fine, it's, and it's like really not like my coarse hair on my head or anything. So I I think I did say in like the end video that it's probably done by maybe a teenager, mid twenties person, who's and who's into the whole lore of Alistair Crowley and Bolskin House. Maybe knows a bit about witchcraft. Maybe studied for maybe five years and is a horror fan. Maybe tried to do a curse. Maybe tried to possess someone got someone's hair or they did maybe try to be because obviously going back to Crowley when he did his guiding angel you have to invoke the 12 kings and jokes now Mather's called him off to Paris halfway through and he didn't finish that apparently he finished it in Egypt but did he get anything in also Bowley's mentioned in the lesser keys of King Solomon so with that being said and the six pointed star it's a lot of effort to go to for the amount of money I paid. <laughs> so, <laughs> it all, so 
to me, it all fits. And like people saying, well, if it was in a fire, wouldn't it be fire damaged? And I repeatedly said it was found within another box under the floorboards because someone yeah. else there said, could it be a witch bottle? And I thought, what's a witch bottle? I've never heard of this. And then I started researching witch bottles. Then witch bottles can be full of piss, urine, well, urine, uh, menstrual blood, things like that, fingernails, and that's to protect a property. But yeah. then it transpired it's probably not that because it's got the voodoo doll, which is a pop, it is a voodoo doll. Um, and it's not a bought one off Etsy because the wire wrapping around the like, sort of, um, the cloth, it like sticks out and you can easily cut yourself. It's also got a got a pungent smell. I've just handled them. I can still smell it. Now, initially, I thought, what is that smell? And I messaged the owner. And like he said, well, the thing is, because he goes in, he cleans out things and assesses fire damages. He sometimes cleans items up. So it's probably the polish. But I've opened it up and it stinks of the same thing. So someone said it could be petrol, petrolia, petrolia, petrolia. Petrolia. So that's where I'm at. The Inverness Courier has done a bit on it and they are doing a follow up on it. So I'm just hoping the universe will show the owner or whoever did it. It'll get back to them. But my main concern was because I didn't know anything about Alistair Crowley. I thought it's going to be good this. We think it's a homage to him, so who and whoever did it tried to maybe clear something up. Then I started reading about the Twelve Kings and Jerks, and I thought, oh, fucking hell, what have I actually done? And I got quite worried, so that's why it took me so long. And like someone said, well, why have you done the videos in so many parts? And I said, I'm learning it, and I'm like, so as I'm finding out, you're finding out. I even yeah. took the box to a, um, so I'll just, I took it to an antiques guy. Uh, we've got an antiques place in a, a town called Cleethorpe. So I like live in a place called Grimsby. And I took it to this guy who's an antique person and he signed and dated it. And he said, viewed box, it's hand carved, dark wood, possibly holy land gift. The wood looks like laburnum wood, hinged. So it's possibly could be used as a cigarette case, a cigar case or a card case. Um, mm. It's, probably within the last 20 to 40 years. Now, that's where I found it a bit, because I thought, is that with the wax on, or is that the box in general? Or is that the age of the box now? Or was it made in the 40s, 50s, with the coins in it? So that's where I got confused from the timeline. So I think he meant maybe with the wax on it, which is 20 to 40 years. But, but I don't know, because obviously if it's 2012 to 2015... And he said he couldn't really tell the age of the wax. He's, he's just guessing off the box age, I think. Um, and then he just said it's attempted at wax seal. And he signed it. And he's, um, I don't think he's actually dated it, to be fair. But, ah, oh, he's, yeah, August 2020, Al, Al, Alexander Antiques, Cleethorpes, North East Lincolnshire. Then he signed it there. So then he's put that on a carbon copy receipt. So I've put that in the box. Um, so that's as far as I've got. So I try to get as much information as I can because I was hoping it'd be like Crowley or maybe Jimmy Page or Keith Anger or someone said Keith Dent, Kenneth Dent, Keith Dent, I think, who... Um, well, it's Dent. It's Kenneth Anger. That's he's, it. He's the guy who was associated with Jimmy Page. He was a Hollywood director. He made the movie Lucifer. Lucifer Riser. Riser. Another guy with the same similar name, I think his name is Kenneth Grant, 
and Kenneth Grant is like a member of uh, of like the Satanic Church and was um, you know a pen pal with Aleister Crowley and they exchanged information on magic rituals and whatnot and he wrote books about him. Well, Jimmy um, Jimmy Page had a friend staying there as a caretaker, Dent. Mm. So there's all these people researching the back, looking at Kenneth Anger to see if there's anything in them pictures. But it turned out it's maybe a lot newer, 2012 to 2015. So I'm just hoping in a way Is it... she, they get, oh, she gets to see it. Because I'm pretty sure it's a girl. Don't ask me why, I just think it's the hair. Or yeah. like maybe the guy tried to get his wife over the door. <laughs> Who knows? But all I know is that wasn't meant to be found. Um, yeah, and that's that's quite the scary thing because that was buried underneath the floorboards within another box, which made people think was it a witch bottle in his oratory, which also made it because like if like someone wants to sell something, in my view, they would have said, "Oh, it that was found in his oratory where he did his spells," but it wasn't. It was just found in the drawing room drawing room it took me ages to find out that that was his oratory so if you do look at the plans it has got a door that is put in that opens to the the north north so there was something else i was going to say but i can't remember now but yeah that's as far as i've got really like you know so yeah. it, it like he's like it is what it is now so or if you could clear up one thing i'll give you you know what I, as much as it's worth, what my theory on it is. Um, so, just this one thing. So, the box, it's underground, under the floorboards, right? Not underground. It's within the building. It's it. It was under the floorboards within another box. That that box was buried. And, but it's and not exposed to the earth. It's within the the physical building itself. Yeah. And then. Um, during the fire was like afterwards was there a period of time where it was kind of like a vacant building where kids teenagers might have stumbled into it and kind of found well the fire is an interesting one because the first fire in 2015 no one knows how it started apparently it started in the kitchen but the cat they do not know what started it so we'll just put down overheating unlike the 2019 fire I mean, you're not the first person to say that about someone could have come in and put it on, like, sort of underneath. Boltskin House Foundation said, well, we, like, had a look in the drawing room in 2019 and there was nothing there. And I said, but this was found in 2015, so there would be nothing there. But they said, well, that could be possible then because the floorboards wear up. But that's a point, but as, as, like, you've said but if it was a company that went in to assess the fire damage i would have thought it'd been a space of maybe a few weeks yeah of, of as, doing to, it. as to like the puppet and like the actual ritual i will say you know it does get a little tangled when you're dealing with the subjectivity of like rituals because i mean when you get into this type of Wicca or whatever you choose to call it, this kind of spell making, there's Someone a lot of folk magic. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people who believe in kind of creating your own um, meaning behind things. So like one person's interpretation of a daisy might differ completely from another person's 
So it does get a little tricky trying to interpret like what what do these physical objects mean as far as the spell that was trying to be cast. And to me, you know, my first instinct, you know, and I may have some details wrong, so this theory might be whacked, but but my first instinct is to me it looks like somebody kind of opportunistically was like, Oh, Crowley's house, that's powerful. I love this girl. I'm desperate. Let me do a spell. And this is probably a person who's interested in the occult and all this stuff enough to be able to put together a kind of makeshift spell and like maybe a broken heart. I mean, I know it's kind of a cheesy excuse, but I think you know, a broken heart can make you do some pretty crazy things like uh, uh, yeah. house and leave the ex-girlfriend's hair, you know, attached to a popper in a box, you know? So, I mean, the other interesting thing is when they bought the house, the hmm. couple, uh, the like people who did it up, it was actually being rebuilt. They, like, was doing it up. There was rever- there was work being done on the house when the Dutch couple bought it because they was doing it up for their holiday home. Mm. So there is that as well. So yeah, it's just one big mystery. I mean, there's, I mean, there's no doubt in that. Well, there's no doubt that that is a proper ritual. You've just hit the nail on the head. It like can be interpreted in so many times. Was it someone that was trying to get someone possessed? Was it someone who went there after the fire and tried to bind whatever was in there? Was it the daughter that did it? Because it does look like girl's hair. Was it meant to be found? If it wasn't meant to be found, that's one thing I'm not too happy about having it, if it wasn't meant to be found. Peter like, sort of people have said, even if it's from Balskin or not, there's a lot of intent gone into that. Yeah. Um, and that, like as I say, that, the, the, like, the Achilles heel is like is the drawing. But if the drawing relates to Moloch and if it is someone who's into horror and witchcraft and into the whole lore of Bolskin House, Crowley, Mathers, everything like that, you can then see where it's coming from. But um, then the whiteness of the paper and that. So it all does tie back to that sort of time. I mean, it's only five years. It's like, you know, only five or eight years away. And if you put paper away, it can stay that like white. But I don't know enough about anything that side, really. So that's why I asked for help. And like some people are saying it's not done by a serious, serious magician. And I, th- I didn't think it would be because, like they said, if it was Baal or anyone, they'd like have the sigils or the signal things on and they're like, like sort of drawing. So someone suggested it maybe is a wicker or maybe a folk thing. And they've tried it their way to sort out whatever was like there. But it's a creepy looking thing in sort of general and the fact it's got the seal of solomon on it and then that's it if you look back at the history of the seal of solomon it all relates to the golden dawn things like that and it's like they did actually have the like sort of seal solomon on the right the back of the cowls and things like that so after i found that and opened it and did the research i was so glad because i thought it's just doing my head and so i thought about research 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 looking at documentaries on like youtube listening to podcasts like you know and like yours and sam's and like all the divot boxes things and it's like such a good it's like over i mean the inverness times rung me up monday and said we're gonna do a follow-up piece you know do that and i said the best thing to do is look at the last video and i'll explain everything and my theory to why it's probably a young person maybe mid well i say young you're like 26 could have even been younger but it'd be a teenager into horror 
into Crowley, doing some sort of ritual, and did that. That's, or it could be a curse, or I might just release the demon and it's in my house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to that, uh, you seem to, to know what Crowley did in the house, right? You described uh, how he did the, uh, the ritual and then it was interrupted and he went to Paris and he had his uh, marriage with Rose Kelly and then he did the uh, invocation in the pyramid, but have you heard about his uh, ball lightning attack where he was attacked by ball lightning? No, 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 no. So no. Crowley oh. spent some time uh, in New Hampshire, right? Which is maybe 10 hours north of where I am. And, uh, and up in New Hampshire, he was struck by ball lightning. Okay coincidentally enough ball right ball is like this demon <laughs> and, yeah. and then we call it we call it ball lightning so he he gets struck by ball lightning and it you know was upsetting enough for him to go and write to the newspaper i mean he 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 wrote you know for newspapers magazines articles all that he was a very prolific writer but uh but yeah, he, he hit up the New York Times and said, hey, I just got struck by ball lightning. Is this interesting to you guys? Um, so it would not surprise me that whatever dark spirit that he summoned during the Abramelin ritual followed him until the end of his life. I think that might be why Crowley tried to fake his own death multiple times. I mean, I know a demon probably... <laughs> knows that you're alive even if you fake your own death i think they have ways of telling that but but yeah I, it would make sense that he was kind of haunted in that way he tried to fake his own death twice and um and his he's getting attacked by ball lightning and then this house that he did the ritual in catches on fire i mean it's, it's yeah i mean so par for the course with whatever that demon's up to I mean, also from the very start, before Balskin House was there, a kirk, which is a church, was built on there. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've mentioned that in um, on the Tinfoil Hat podcast that the congregation in the church all burnt down and they all perished. Uh, even there's been accounts of like a, some sort of wizard raising the dead and like the parish person had to come and like put them animated corpse back in. So it's got a, it's all steeped in history that and like place and it's like i mean going back to your tinfoil hat the tinfoil hot podcast the tinfoil hats podcast he wasn't a stupid guy because he went to cambridge um and sam i didn't even click until sam said oh he's just one of them rich kids who does this and that but it doesn't regardless of that he wasn't a thick person these rituals are really complicated you have to be on the ball i couldn't do one because i'm dyslexic and fit so i would <laughs> i would probably get up a bloody disabled demon knowing my look but he um, yeah. like went to cambridge he like obviously from his upbringing he's very regimented in religious so you can understand from a psychological point of view where he just wanted to turn around and say bollocks to you all and obviously that's fashioned the way he was during the end of his life which i'm sure you know he wanted to chill out because he had a he had a son didn't he so in his later life he tried to calm down and things like that and as you say he did that um ritual in the pyramid where he didn't get in contact 
Um, but then he took hallucinogenics. He took like ayahuasca and things like that. So it comes if you listen to Joe Rogan when you smoke DMT. Everyone seems to see the same grey alien well, So is that what he well, saw? He didn't he, take ayahuasca. We should clear that up because ah, uh, right. That's one report I did read. Ayahuasca is relatively new to the Western zeitgeist of drugs. You know, I mean, I don't think white people used ayahuasca until Michael Harner. He might have been the first Western person to use ayahuasca in a traditional ceremony. He went, he's anthropologist, went to uh, study in, um, I think it was Colombia. But uh, anyways, he was using peyote, peyote mescaline. Which is, well, which my- in some respect, ten times stronger than DMT because DMT only lasts, you know, a short time. Ayahuasca obviously is a much more intense process because you're taking the DMT in a in a much stronger form. But uh, peyote can have people on like three, four day um, hallucinations. Right. That's the type of drug. Is it about the cactus? Is about the cactus peyote? Yes. So I got that one wrong. But yes, yeah, so. <laughs> So I, is it possible that he did cross the veil? I know, like, weeds, people say that crosses the veil. I've heard reports of that. So, like, yeah. all these psychedelics, do they, like, do the veil? And well, did he what, enter I something? I know. Um, so on my journey, this kind of was the big step for me, right? I met this guy. His name is Amos. He came to New Haven, Connecticut because Skull and Bones robbed the grave of Geronimo. Geronimo's one of his ancestors. So he spends time in New Haven praying for his ancestor. So he and I met, he started teaching me a lot about uh, Southwestern uh, Native American culture, and he's done peyote. It's a part of their tribe, you know, their uh, adult, becoming an adult ritual, becoming a man. Women can do it too, but... um, when he was under the influence of peyote, he told me that uh, when he did this peyote ceremony, he went under the earth for two days into this like under earth realm that only his tribe, you know, has access to because they have this ancient relationship with these beings. And there he was like basically in commune under the influence of peyote with a goddess who took the form of like this reptilian woman. So, you know, yeah, Native Americans, I mean, they do that exact thing where they take peyote and they use it to commune with, you know, entities. And who knows if, I mean, the Native Americans speak highly of these entities. They obviously are in a somewhat of a beneficial relationship with them. But if you know anything about Skinwalker Ranch, I would say that they're not fond of uh, of non-Indigenous uh, people. You know, they're they're kind of uh, territorial in that sense. But to to bring it back to Crowley, you know, he was definitely interacting with um, other other entities because. Him and um, Edward Kelly, Rose Kelly's brother, um, was they were translating the Enochian language of the angels. Are you familiar with this? No. So um, the Enochian language, it's kind of like this really kind of stylized Latin looking language that John Dee basically channeled now john d for those who don't know is the royal astrologer in the queen's court from the 1700s very 
famous, you know, uh, for kind of creating espionage for Queen Elizabeth there. I think it was Queen Elizabeth, but, um, you know, this Enochian magic, like you said, very complex stuff. Crowley uh, was obviously a very intelligent man. And I should say, you know, after the people who commented on the Tinfoil Hat podcast, I have to say this every time I talk about Aleister Crowley. He's a bad guy and I don't like him. OK, so let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> well, I text you and I am said I sort of get what you mean by an iconic and I compared him to Hitler, like from Hitler. I would yeah. understand where like. You was coming from, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I get it. You can't, you can't compliment someone like Hitler or Stalin or Crowley without a thousand people saying, you know, you're you're a defender of of that kind of person. It's it's ridiculous, but, but you know, like sort of on the. I mean, like they're iconic in their field. That's yeah. historic. Crowley's historic in the like world of witchcraft. Hitler's historic in the way the world's been shaped now, so is Stalin, and we're still going to have mad, crazy people like that, only because that's a modernised box or whatever's going now with this bullshit virus thing, it's all modernised, but it still all stands back to crazy, evil people ruling the world, and want to rule, and power, and that's all it is, it's power, and just in this life, this life should be about love, and it's a test for love because when we die, we, we do go into a higher plane. I'm sure of it. So and that's from an idealistic point. No, and that's the crux of it, really. Is like the powerful people know the truth about the reality of your soul, my soul, our souls, and how we do pass on to other realms. And the fact that they keep us in ignorance about that is to manipulate that science for their bidding and for their own power maintenance and their power control, right? Because it's through their relationship with the so-called angels. You know, the kings were always divine and had divine inspiration what does that mean that just means that the king had some you know alien blokes or some angels you know in his ear that's all it means and that's what Crowley was trying to kind of expose into the light is like oh hey you guys want to talk to angels this is how you do it and and that's kind of what I tried to say on tinfoil hat that caught me some flack is like yeah, you know, some people are evil, but nobody's perfect and nobody's perfectly evil. So like the fact that that Crowley was evil, but he did expose this stuff into the light is something that we have to give him credit for uh, amongst, you know, the few things we can give him credit for. <laughs> I mean, like I've tried to read that lesser kill Simon and it's like sort of mind blowing. I mean, it's not a big book, but to understand it, you've got to be so intelligent and if you're at a level like oxford or cambridge you're at a far higher level than most people will ever will be and he it's... took it that bit of extra further and he mm. introduced psychedelics to rituals and he introduced sex because when you're at set you have sex you're at a high orgasm level or orgasm level and things like that and if like things start to thin the veil and you're there weird shit does happen and people might not believe that but you sometimes have to accept that where shit happens that we don't understand. Yeah. And and he brought that in to the forefront. Whether that be when he said things about children and sex and things like sort of things like that. It's like that's his thing. I don't agree in that bullshit, but that's his thing. And 
he, I mean, he was a very complex man. And during the end of his life, I think he sort of wanted to chill out because he always wanted a son, but he got a daughter. I know his daughter died, didn't she? Quite quite young. Yeah, they had they had one unfortunate uh, thing that happened. Because Crowley, you know, traveled across the world and he brought his family along with him. In those days, you know, you couldn't mm-hmm. just leave life at, at the Sheridan. You know, they they had uh, they had very limited um, luxuries as far as traveling. Uh, I'm sure, but yeah, the kid died uh, while they were like traveling through Asia. But he had, I think, he had four children total. So only one of them died at a young age. Yeah, it's it's so strange, and he was such an interesting character. Yeah, but um, yeah, so yeah, who? I just don't know. <laughs> the, the box now, I ain't got any bad feeling like from it. I did open it in salt, but someone said that that won't really protect you. And like, I did like find this guy on like line, and I sent him it, and like, I like got his number, and like, he had WhatsApp. And I sent it all to it. And like he went, why are you sending me this? I don't want to see this. I'm not even opening your links. You need to get rid of that. People have told me to bury it, burn it, chuck it in the ocean, don't open it and things like that. So I just mm-hmm. opened it because I, we had to know what's and like was inside. But to research someone like Crowley and all these rituals and things like that. I mean, I've just scratched the surface. You've done way more than I have. I just scratched the surface because I wasn't particularly interested in his life personal life i was interested in his like sort of his sort of his ritual life and to see if there was anything that i could link to that box and i was very careful not to go down the path where that could be it and link it and it might let me on a wild goose chase so well, I'll, but tell from- you, I'll tell you what you know you have the lesser key of solomon and that i think i have the same book um it's like it's called like a Goetia. Is that yeah? Have you seen that word? So that's kind of like a list of uh, what seems to be demons and you know different entities, right? But I've heard that interpreted as like different aspects of your psyche that you're you know identifying and banishing. So like when they say like, oh, this is a Beelzebub. He's the lord of everything gross and nasty. Like. If that guy's coming in your life, maybe it just means you need to like clean out your ears and like brush your teeth more, you know, like that's <laughs> I think that could be like maybe what Crowley was interested in is like because he, he was reading Young. And if you know anything about Young, Carl Young, he was very, you know, uh, pivotal in our understanding of modern psychology because he mm-hmm. kind of identified a lot of the uh, energy that's within your your mind and how it flows through your life. And Crowley kind of latched onto that in like a almost a way to perfect yourself, to make yourself the best vessel to contact the entities. It's just, I think where Crowley went wrong was that, you know, he just let whatever entity come into his life. I mean, that God, Iwas, right, um, that channeled the book of the law, uh, those conspiracy guys um, have this, you know, five hour long podcast uh, about Crowley and they're they're from Ireland. Uh, Gordo, right. Have you have you heard of this podcast before? No, no, no. You should check it out. Gordo uh, is from Dublin, I believe, or, or somewhere near there. And uh, yeah, he does a great podcast called Those Conspiracy Guys. They do huge episodes where they're like f- five hours long on Crowley. Uh, in particular that episode, but they made a funny joke 
where Rose Kelly is, you know, in the pyramid with, uh, with Crowley and Crowley starts channeling Iwas and, uh, Kelly goes like, uh, you know, who, who are you talking to Crowley? You know? And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it, Rose. And then he writes the book of the law and, and he's, she's like, who wrote that? And he's like, I was, I was, I was, you know, and it's like, I was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, if you read that word, A-A-I-W-A-S-S, it's like, where the hell did this word come from? I was, who is I was, you know what I mean? It's just, it's such a mystery when you start getting into these entities because it's completely, utterly subjective. I mean, I heard uh, recently on Tim Hat they had a demonologist on talking about how if you do a seance or use a Ouija board and you're thinking that you're going to call like your Uncle Frank who died last year and, and have a conversation with him from beyond the veil, you know, you could just be calling any demon who chooses to pretend to be Uncle Frank, you know, and that's that's why I think it's just like when you get into the whole hooted Crowley channel and what is it channel, it's very like you know up to interpretation still. Well, it's funny you should say about the Ouija board because I've just got one coming. It sh- and it should be arriving tomorrow, and I'm doing a video of uh, of that because I studied the paranormal. That's something I did study. Uh, a good book to read is. Oh, I just it with. Anyway, a book's called Ouija by Stoker Hunter. Okay. Uh, and it, it explains both sides, but um, I think the main thing from the parapsychology world now is that um, it's all to do with the idomotor effect. So, like, it comes from your subconscious, and one of the most dangerous things working with the Ouija board will open up your subconscious, which things will move, because if, if I'm like, you're that sort of disposition... It could open your subconscious, which could open up telekinesis, which links to poltergeist effects. Because people think in the past, par- like parapsychology world, the poltergeist effect comes from the person. Okay. It don't come from an outside source. It comes yeah, from I've, the person. I've heard so where you have like uh, maybe you know something that you're not dealing with, some kind of traumatic event in your memory, or some kind of like. Uh, and feeling that you have that needs to be dealt with that will ex- express itself as a poltergeist because you're kind of ignoring it and kind of corking this yeah. bottle that's you know popping out with all this yeah. <laughs> plasma pressure. It's and like happens with people who don't normally or can handle um, like emotions well. Um, mm. And also if like you say you've got a haunted house, poltergeist effects normally around one person. If you take that person out of the house everything subsides you bring them back in it picks up again and you will find that all activity will focus around either two people that person itself or someone else close to that person then it subsides in six to six months to a year it normally subsides it only normally happens to young people but can happen to middle-aged people as well so there's quite a lot into it that makes me kind of think about you know because because what's interesting about poltergeists and ghost hunting, it seems to be, for the most part, you know, very understood on the eastern, like, eastern side of the world. Like, they understand spirits. They have, like, feng shui and different arts that, yeah. like, kind of manage your relationship with the spirits. Whereas here, you know, on the more western side of the world, we've kind of colonized a lot of places and kind of moved on to land that wasn't our ancestors land. And I think 
with the whole house thing, it's like, what if those people, like you said, who are the, the source of the weird paranormal activity, what if they're kind of like a battery that gets activated when it puts itself, when, they, when they're in a place like a haunted house, which might have something with the land that's particularly energetic. So like they're like a battery and you put it in its place and it just like turns everything on, you know? Well, that's one thing when people, cause I like used to investigate people's houses. And one thing I used to do was give them a pen and like a notebook and said, if there's anything that happens, record it and try and record the weather, the time and the date. That's the best okay. thing you can do to get a diary of things. Cause then if it happens every night at eight o'clock, you can think, what's well, an environmental issue or it's something that's going on in your house. There's loads of issues because there might be something else going on along with normality going on. And if you're at that, because like some houses I went to, people said, oh, and you brought all your equipment with you? And I was like, well, no, we're just going to talk about it. We'll come back, do a questionnaire. Then we'll come back and talk about the questionnaire and we'll go from there. Because normally you can solve it with just them three meetings. But if people are like, sort of, you know, if you take drugs and that and you do a Ouija board, you open your subconscious up, you hear a bang, that's a normal bang, but something weird does happen. Everything relates, which we come back to the beginning of the podcast, psychosomatic. If it's all psychosomatic, and it just gets to me is everyone sees things before they go to sleep or when they wake up or halfway through the night. And there's something called, is it, uh, I've completely forgotten what it's called now. Um, it's where you wake up and we're well, sleep paralysis is a different one because then you've got lucid dreaming, you've got waking dreams and things like that. I think it's psych. Is it hypnogonic or hip or hypnogonic where you go to sleep, you're halfway through the dream, yeah, and you can hallucinate and you can hear things, but it's not actually there. You're dreaming while awake, but it yeah. seems real. Like I went to someone's house and she said she woke up and saw a demon on her boyfriend's chest, and this demon was a lizard. So I'm very sceptical when people yeah. say, I'm not calling them liars, but I'm sceptical skept- like, so when people say, I saw it at night. It's much more, I mean, ghosts aren't going to wait on sort of ghost dark and go, hey, it's that, let's scare them. If it's an active place, it's an active place, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. You're going on about the energy, which is probably classed as residual energy, which is, the, if, like, which is helpful, because if you've got thunderstorm and it's high in electric, there's a theory in physics or beyond physics should i say which is paranormal obviously is where if it plays back a recording in time so if you see a roman soldier in a field or a a soldier walking through a wall it's just a play back in time they're not there you're just watching a recording and it's also been reported that some people actually see themselves going into their own house so it's just a play back in time which is beyond so i think it's called the stone wall theory so I think water's good for it. If it's high in electric, it like can record things. If it's high in motion, it can record things. And emotion can still stick to houses. Like if you've been into a house or a room and you felt a bad vibe from it or a bad vibe from a person, it's the same thing. We've just got these senses. It might not be a ghost, but it's still classed as paranormal. When people say it's paranormal, it's like it's not ghostly. A paranormal happening is just something beyond what we understand in the realms of science now and um physics yeah so it's well, like, oh, 
No, we just we just talked about on um, on Zero Sam's spiritual podcast. I was on as a guest, and we talked about Doctor Masaru Emoto's study about how emotion has a physical, recordable effect on freezing water, and how you know you have different uh, patterns you can create and record in the water based on the frequency of the thought or prayer or words that are exposed to that water while it's in this cold state where it creates these crystals. And, you know, just like you're describing, you know, the emotion is a huge factor in these kind of situations because your emotions are having a tangible effect on your environment. You know, anytime you speak a bad word, that word literally carries a sort of negative frequency, a negative pattern that travels out of you into the environment around you and vice versa. If you hear somebody curse or not even a curse, because you can say a curse word in a good way, you know, to tell a joke. But like, you know, you get what I'm saying. The emotion, the charge behind it is what um, what we're starting to learn here. And, and I think you know, like you described, like this hypnagogic state, you know, we have the alpha, beta, theta, delta brainwaves that our brain uh, can be conscious in. And we still uh, have a lot to learn in those fields of science. I mean, <laughs> the sad part is academia puts so much uh, money into materialism and this whole scientific materialism is that those uh, sciences are having, a, a, you know, catching up to do and i think that's yeah. happening you know now i mean i mean i i'm quite into lucid dreaming and i don't oh. know if you lucid yeah. i mean like one technique that i've i've read i like read a really good book is like one thing is to keep a dream diary uh, and to do do a reality check and the reality check i do is i hold my hand out and i'll count my fingers one two three four five i don't do it like that but then i'll turn it around and count five and if I count five there and five there, I'm not dreaming. Because if you try it in a dream, you'll never count five. It'll always be six or eight. So, like one of the th so like one of the things is if you always see a black dog in your dream, that's what people say. Oh, I've always seen a black dog in like my dream, but I want to know what it means. One theory is that if you see a black dog in your waking, like reality, which is now see a black dog, do do your reality check. And every time you see a black dog, do a reality check. Then in turn, that will transpose to your dream world. You'll do your reality check. You'll know you're not dreaming. And then you wake up in like your dream. And then there's techniques to keep in your dream before. Because like, once you know you're dreaming, you like come out and like you go out. But there's, I mean, there's books on it. it there's, I, I try to keep a dream diary but i just wake up and i can't be asked i'd like to do it for literally do it for about three days to a week then i'm just not bothered i said i'll do it about 10 o'clock on sort of my work break and by the time i've even i've finished my breakfast or my first cup of coffee i've forgotten the dream yeah. <laughs> so being like because again keeping a diary of things you like can see a pattern of things coming up and then you can go back and go that's so strange yeah and it might be relating to something and you mentioned sleep paralysis. You'll you'll like probably notice everything that comes of ghostly things happenings. It always happens at night time. Near enough, it always happens at like night time. So it's more credible. And I'm not calling people liars, but it's more credible if it's maybe in the daytime. The thing with nighttime is it's the end of the day. We're all knackered. Our senses are like low. Our immune system's low. We've we've got low energy. We, we like can't be bothered. We're relaxing. We're very sensitive. It's like you wake up and you can hear a bang. 
how many times have you been falling asleep and you think you've heard the phone ring or someone shout your name and no one's there? That's part of the whole psychological thing of us. But people say, shit, I've got a ghost. And it's like, try not to worry. Write it down. And I tell you what, not one person ever wrote it down for me in a diary. And I was like, what's the fucking point of me trying to do anything? I'm like giving you the info. A pencil, pencil and pen in ghost something is probably the most important equipment because a, like a pencil's not going to run out unless you're a big handed oof and snap the lead off. But you've got to keep a diary because then to the investigator will know, it says, well, this looks like it's like happening at eight o'clock, like sort of every night, it's probably your pipes banging. But if it's random and things start happening, you're thinking we might have something. It's very rare to find a real, real haunted house. You'll probably find it's either residual energy or it's the person um, who's, I mean, like sort of that box is a prime example. It's probably a horror fan who thinks they know a bit about witchcraft and loves Crowley and that and tried to do something. And it probably means nothing, but the intent has been there. So it'd be the same. You've just got to... Yeah. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. And I would say, you know, as far as lucid dreaming goes, um, I think I've got a lot of ways to go in lucid dreaming, but I just learned uh, the other day uh, through a meme that if you eat before bed, you're not going to dream because the whole night your body is digesting that food. So I think, you know, there's definitely, oh, I don't know about that. no, oh, well, <laughs> I'm hearing it from the, from the guy who's lucid dream. So I'll, I'll take your word for it. And I, 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 I do know if you smoke weed or drink alcohol, that mm. suppresses your dreams because like they don't help you go to sleep. They're more of like a sedative. Especially if you smoke weed and you come off smoking weed, you'll have more vivid dreams. Hence why maybe I'm dreaming a bit more about the box because I've stopped smoking weed. I've been smoking for a long, long time. And I thought it's like, some sort of psychic defence. So I've stopped it due to personal reasons and work reasons. Um, I've stopped for a while now. But then I started dreaming more vividly. But if you look at it at a logical point of view, it's like, well, I've been studying that box for over a month and a half now. It's all you've been thinking about. It's in your subconscious. Your subconscious is such a powerful tool. You don't know how powerful it is. And that's why another thing on the subconscious is why people think you have deja vu because our subconscious goes into a collective consciousness. So you're experiencing someone else's maybe. Um, quickly about the weed. I know I'm flip, sort of flip-flopping, but going back to the Ouija board, the like was an experiment um, where they did a Ouija board and it, ca- and it started coming out in French where no one knew French. But it turned out one person who was there who was a cleaner and the person she cleaned for did a lot of business worldwide and he spoke French. So she subconsciously picked up on it. But if if I'm like, you're interested in subconscious diet experiments, have a look at something called the Philip experiment. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's where a no. group of people manifested a ghost. Oh, wow. The, the, themselves. Then if you look at Michael Faraday, he disproved table tipping. Is that the, um, is that the one where they... They, because I have heard a study of they, they basically some you know academics invented a ghost. They said like, oh, it's this guy. He lived in the 1800s. His wife and you know, and then he committed suicide. And then like they put this kind of story out there, and they tried to see if people on their own would see this ghost, you know, like in their seances. Because I guess at the time seances were very popular, and what they found was that it was all just you know, uh, sort of 
placebo effect where they got the idea of this ghost somehow and then just kind of elaborated more and more and more and until all the details were just completely fake, you know? Well, like the Philip experiment, and it's like in the same book as the Ouija board book called Stoke. It's, and it's called a Ouija by Stoke Hunter. Um, like what happened there was they did a fictional story about him of his past life, and then it started coming up with bangs and knocks, one for yes, two for yes. But then they changed things in his fictional story, but it still matched to what he was doing, and it was called the like Philip experiment. Then from there, it's gone on to other people doing the same sort of experiment. So it goes to show it comes from the subconscious, the Ida motor effect. Michael Faraday did an experiment with table tipping where these table tippers were moving the table and everything. So he basically put a bit of glass on, some reeds, like rods, and then another bit of glass. And they all did that. And he said, if the table moves, it's the spirits. But if the sort of glass moves, it's you guys doing it. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Sure enough, the glass just moves, and after that, they could they like couldn't do the effect again without the glass because they consciously knew their subconscious was doing it. Mm-hmm. So again, the subconscious is a yeah. powerful thing. So that I'm not ad- advocating people to go and do a Ouija board because there might be that one percent you might get fucked up, but the evidence goes to show you can't really ask a Ouija board a question you don't know because if your subconscious always picks up on things, so. Okay. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? But yeah, I am doing a video on the Ouija board and I'll probably do it on my own and just show people what it's all about. And I'm doing one on the pendulum as well. So you got to go down to one of those uh, cargo cults in the Pacific Islands and give them the Ouija board and see what they come up with. You know, those people have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world. It's, I mean, it's so strange and it's like. I don't know. It's just it's just life so strange, and I think you've got to do what you think is right for yourself. As long as you're not hurting anybody, mm. do what you want to do. I know, and I had that idea before I even thought Cow, Cowley, Crowley came up with with them, like the whole thing. But at the end of the day, you've got to love and respect people because I think that's what life is about is is unlike love. Because I, you know we can't prove love's real we can't see love but somehow we feel it and you can't see a feeling can you we can't control our feelings so are we really in control of ourselves are we just a vessel that's this spiritual being in this shitty carbon body bullshit thing and we're just going around life but once we hit a higher stage it's like love love is the test I honestly believe I like used to be in the concept that it's like love is no such thing as called love it's like you can't prove it you're in love with someone then maybe 30 years later you're in love with someone else so was you really in love with that first person yeah who knows we'll all find out one day but like but like i honestly think what's going on with this virus is more of a spiritual war now than like anything else well, it's funny, you know, Chris Knowles was on the podcast uh, Tinfoil Hat yesterday. Uh, the episode just came out today. Chris Knowles' Secret Sun blog, fantastic conspiracy research. He pieces a lot of stuff together. But he was saying how, like, the ball's kind of rolling because they tried so hard with climate change to push this new world order. And, you know, people just don't buy it so now they have to do something another invisible thing that supposedly threatens the world a pandemic you know 
it's it's I mean we're going completely off topic and like it's something I wanted to speak about on like zero when I'm like you asking around but it's it's all dynamic. These like people with these face masks, it's like it's just a lot more to it. It's like it's just a symbolic thing. It's it's yeah. a scary image. It's taken away our smiles, it's taken away yeah. our enjoyment of life. We haven't got these things coming into the UK. I don't know if you've got them yet, is where you can walk up to a shop and this AR sensor sees you and if you're wearing a mask you can go in the shop and if you're not wearing a mask you can't go in and it's like what no i haven't seen that well they're being used in the uk and if no one believes it go check it out because a few shops are like sort of using that now and i'm putting a few things on my instagram stories and a lot of people now there's a lot of pushback against everything because it's like locking people down you can't go into wales i heard a rumor just like curfews coming in, masks being worn everywhere you go, it's like what's going on? What yeah. you know, the death rate's low. So, and it's yeah, like, man. I mean, I know you've got a lot going on coming up in like November with Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just 2020 is a mad year, and then even before 2020, November time, you had was it Agenda 21, and then a few months later, you had this virus that's come from Wuhan. And it's like, well, the flu and pneumonia is still killing more people. Everyone's wearing a mask. The masks have been mandated here from the 24th of July in shops and public transport was a bit before that. But our like, sort of infection rate still going up. So masks aren't doing anything. But you see more and more people walking down the street in the cars with masks on. And I'm like, it's your choice because it, it is your choice. And I respect your choice. This is why I've got the podcast, Freedom of Expression, Freedom of Speech. But I'm like... Think about what's going on. Think about you're willing to take a vaccine and be it's hundred percent in my view, mark of the beast. It's definitely coming, or if like not already here. Yeah. So I've just resigned to the uh, fact now. Yeah, I I actually you know one of the many reasons I quit my uh, past job as a Amazon delivery driver was because they were enforcing the masks when we were loading our vans. In the summer, when it's hot, you know, we're lifting all these boxes to load up our van, and we got to wear a freaking muzzle on our face. And then in the middle of August, they come in and they have a a gun, a laser gun that points a laser at your head and tells you your temperature. Yeah. So I I literally, you know, they were like, okay, we got to line up to take your temperature. I walk by the guy. I'm like, fuck you, fuck this. I walked into the warehouse. (laughs) I got my boxes. The boss comes over. You can't, you know, I got scolded. I put up a big, you know, what to do. I was like, this is not America. You know, this is not the Constitution. You know, I got I got loud. All my coworkers heard it. And uh, my boss came over as I'm loading my van after the dust had settled. And he's like, listen, Mark, I agree with you 100 percent. But my boss is what I'm worried about, you know, and that's that's all it is, is it's. These people are, you know, are tied to this stupid set of rules because it's tied to their paycheck. And, you know, we're all living under this kind of corporate um, hierarchy of someone has a boss or someone has someone that they need to listen to. Otherwise, they lose their financial security. And I think that's a big reason why I got into podcasting. I'm sure it's a reason why you got into it is because 
I wanted to be my own boss. You know, I've had jobs where I was my own boss before. And uh, right now I'm doing Lyft and I'm doing my podcast and I'm working for Sam. And, you know, I, I, day, I, I have my schedule ahead of me and, uh, you know, fuck Amazon. <laughs> well, I've still got a job and unfortunately my podcast isn't making any money, but I'm still going to plow on. I'm still plowing on because it's, you know, I, I like believe truth needs to be out there. How long we've got a podcast for, who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, Joe Rogan's got a massive podcast. He's just gone to Spotify. That sort of, to me, I was like, well, we saw that amount of money. Why didn't he just get his own platform, chip in with like Bobby Lee, Sam, and all the other podcasters yeah. and get a new pod? But why go to Spotify? Spotify's already kicked some of his like podcasts off. So yeah. you know what I mean? It's like sellout, in like my view. And like yeah, I, I used to listen to Rogan a lot, but I don't, yeah. I don't even listen to him no more. So, yeah, and it's and like it's not jealousy. It's like someone's got that amount of money. Why didn't they just open their own platform up? And I know how hard it is to get platform because I know brand new tubes just come out, which is an alternative to Bluetube. You've got BitTube and things like that. But someone with that power and that sway could have done it. And it's yeah. like he's just gone from one devil to the next devil. Listen, I'll tell you what, it's not that hard because if you're from my area, you know about Gas Digital Network, you know about Gas Digital Podcast I, Network? Well, well, I've had Zach, I, I've just had Zach and Miko on, I think it was oh, last okay. week or week yeah. before. Yeah, I saw that. Um, So, you know, Luis J. Gomez could figure out how to do a uh, his own platform. I think I think most people can. Luis J. Gomez, he's a cool guy, but he's not the brightest bulb, <laughs> I'll just say that. No. And it's like, and it's like where Rogan's got the money. He's like got his brand. His brand is Joe Rogan. He yeah, could have just he opened his own. Could have just opened yeah. his own podcast platform. Said fuck you to everyone. Free speech. Everything goes. Obviously, when people say free speech, we like know what free speech. We don't go into the paedophilic world, the rape world, or things like that because that's people. Normal people aren't like that. But yeah. Well, those are people who are imposing their will against someone else. That's not, you know, those people no. try and express themselves. They're they're expressing something that's not free. No, fuck that. No. <laughs> that that's true. Crimes against but, people. And that comes back to the masking issue. Mask. You're by mm. sort of yeah. saying you're doing as you're told. You're not going to speak out against us. It's all symbolic. I really do hope I'm wrong. And I really hope it is just a virus and they're doing it for the betterment of the people. But I don't think they are. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I got I hate to say it. I've been on this road, like I said, for the past 10 years. And, uh, you know, I didn't trust Bush. I didn't trust Obama. I half trust Trump because he at least acknowledges conspiracy theories. But, uh, you know, I just I just I from the beginning of COVID, I knew it was all bullshit, and I'm not gonna. You, know, you can ask my best friend; he he heard me say it. the The second day of COVID, March 14th, I made a T-shirt that says, uh, "I'm sick of the coronavirus," with "of" underlined. So, you know, I've been against the official narrative since you know a while I, ago. I, you know, I did a po- I did a podcast on. I think it was the 10th, and I think it got released on the 11th of March, and that was is is uh, Mike. Um, is the coronavirus e- like even real? Then a few weeks later, I did one, the biggest psyop ever known to man. Yeah. And it's like, it's maybe we are crazy. Maybe we're the crazy ones, but it's like, 
it's all fitting into place. It's like, if you don't have a vaccine, will you be restricted travel? It's like it says in the book of Revelation, no man will like sell or buy without a mark. I mean, I'm prepared to go to a camp for it because no way am I taking the vaccine. And I know I've got my faith. It's not very strong, but I've got faith in, in, in God. Yeah. I mean, I sh- so shouldn't really say that because like, I do try to read the Bible every night now before I go to bed, just the passage of it. Um, but I think it's more of a spiritual war and like I think even I've nearly give up a few times I'll be honest with people these last two weeks I've nearly gone like give up and think I'm just going to go along with the narrative because it's so much easier it's it's like taking that red and blue pill you like can go back and take the blue pill and just go into your Saturday nights when you as a kid come home with your parents have tea watch a film and that just be closed off from society and believe whatever you want to believe what the news is spilling out at you but now you're getting into it. You read an independent podcast. Sorry, you listen to independent podcasts, reading independent like reports, watching different news networks, reading between the lines, and it's like something is going on. Hundred percent, something's going on. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and I gotta say, you know, uh, what you just said really resonated with me because you know, over the past year, I know it's been crazy for a lot of people, but some of the best things that have ever happened to me in my life have happened this year. You know, namely, uh, I started uh, hanging out on this farm like an hour away from where I live. And the people who own and run the farm, it's a family. And uh, the da- one of the daughters who I became friends with, the reason why I started hanging out there, she's very uh, religious. She's very pious. She reads the Bible. She's studying uh, ministry. She doesn't want to be a minister, cool. but she wants to be, you know, she wants to have the education of a minister. I don't think she's actually going to go forward and like start her own church or something like that. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I've, I think God kind of has become way more real for me than it ever has this year. And I really, um, appreciate that because I was raised Catholic and, you know, really didn't vibe well at all with anything that happened, you know, from, from CCD to, confirmation and all the things that you go through as a Catholic, it just made me kind of more atheistic than anything. And it wasn't until I started smoking weed and researching conspiracies and spirituality that I came back to the belief <laughs> in God, you know, and it's not in the church. So. I mean, I've just got better. I mean, I've just got a new Bible, like a couple of weeks ago, and all the, it's got in the New Testament, all like the red light, all like the red light, all the red writing, that was a tongue twister, is Jesus talking and the rest isn't. And it's like, I'm not really interested in like the Old Testament because that's a bit of brimstone. And it's like, if you did not you've you're going to get fucked up. Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. Then so he chilled out a bit and went, you know what? I'm going to send my son down and I'm going to sacrifice him on the cross. And if you <laughs> do it wrong, it's still all right. I think, if, I think if you've got a good relationship with God, it's your own personal relationship. And you've got to answer to your relationship with God. It's and it's yeah. and it's like unthinkable where if we do something wrong, we'll be told off. And it's you just look at God as like maybe a parent and say, oh, "What have you done that for again?" We've you know we've talked about this. People might think it's crazy, but that's the way it is. Like I used to go to church. It was like a Christian church, and we used to have these cell meetings once a week to talk about things and learn a bit about passages and things like that. And like someone said, "Well, I pray to God on the toilet." But when I said that, someone said it was disrespectful. And like that, that's, I've got a good relationship with God. And if I want to pray in the toilet, I will do. 
as long as you're getting closer to God, that's the main thing. Even if you think about, oh, I can't be bothered with the Bible, you're still reading the Bible, you're still getting that closeness with God. So it's all, you know, pray where you want to pray, do what you want to do, but just don't hurt anyone and have a good relationship. But people need to wake up to what's going on now. Because if you're stopping going into shops, if you're going to take a vaccine, you really need a Bible. You start reading your Bible, people, because yeah. it's, it's like getting crazy. I know people will say, well, if he reads the Bible, he's still doing like a Ouija boards, this and that. I'm not contacting the dead. I'm showing people it's the item motor response from a scientific point of view. And the box, I just collect weird stuff. I've got like, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got weird shit everywhere. Because it's something I just collect. I like ostrich eggs. I've got wet specimens. I've got shrunken head that's made out of paco skin. I've got medical instruments. I've got like old bullet shells and things like that. I've got a dead head bath. I've got a puffer fish. I've got teeth. I just collect weird things, and that goes nice. And plus, I'm a massive horror fan as well. So I'm just a bit of a weird <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, hey, man. I mean, those sound like a little bit of uh, everything. That I don't have, but I got a whole lot of crap that I, you know, I could list off in my room too. I'm very similar in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, by the way, it's like a narrow knife. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's it's been cool. So, if people wanted to find you, because it's a share cast, I don't know quite how it's going to all work. If people want to find me, just Google the Tim Biscuit Podcast. That's all you got to do, and you everything will come up. So you'll find my Instagram from there, Tim Biscuit Podcast. They'll find this. They'll find my YouTube channel. It goes on onto all. I think I've had one video taken off my YouTube, and that's when I've had a group called Stand Up X on, which are like the anti-mask protests and the anti-COVID protests. But they've been on. That one I got taken off. Touchwood yet. But yeah, I've only had one video taken off YouTube. But if you want to find me, just Google Tim Biscuit Podcast. What, what about yourself? Well, I have a uh, website, myfamilythinksimcrazy.us. We're not a United States government organization. I don't know. US was just the cheapest uh, thing you can get as far as the deepest domain. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, myfamilythinksimcrazy.us has all the links to uh, our stuff. We're not really on YouTube. I had an old podcast that's on YouTube. You can find that. Uh, it's called The Bud Triangle. And then, um, yeah, we're on Spotify and we're on Patreon. Patreon has some exclusive content, and I just got a my first patron actually yesterday. Uh, shout out to Alex Sakaris from the Skeptico podcast. He has a, a really cool podcast out in San Diego. It's a pretty big podcast. I'm honored that oh, he's cool. my patron. But yeah, I you know I reached out to him uh, after he mentioned my name on Tinfoil Hat. You know, referencing what I talked about with Alistair Crowley. And uh, sure enough, you know, one thing led to another, and now he's our first patron. So go on there, join, join Alex. Don't let him be uh, lonely over there. <laughs> you know, listening to want to join the fun. Uh, I I I got a patron. I, I have, but I'll start selling merch on there hopefully next year. Um, I'm never gonna charge for my content ever. I'd like understand why you guys are doing it. I understand why. Sam's doing it and everyone else is doing it because all the comedy clubs are getting shut. But I've got a donation and that's through the Tin Biscuit Podcast 3 at gmail.com. Um, and I've got two sponsors. I will mention them because I didn't mention it at the beginning. That's runesilk.com. That's a bird care company, runesilk.com. And tenga.co.uk. And that's an adult toy sex company. 
if you're putting if you put in tin biscuit, that's tin biscuit, capital T, capital B, you get ten percent off your first order and that applies to both sites. So I suppose if you you know, you have a really cool beard and a really cool podcast, uh beard sponsorship just comes along with the territory, huh? Well like <laughs> sort of it's funny, it's the same guy who does the sex toy company and the beard company. So yeah. you can have a posh wank while having a cool looking beard. Win win situation. <laughs> <laughs> all right man all right i gotta grow my beard out a little more before i get <laughs> do that go to roomsilk.com and put put in tin biscuit capital t capital b and you'll get 10 percent off roomsilk.com yeah Ooh, and man. the japanese it's like actually a japanese sex toy company but he's got the english part of like the english part of it so Perfect. it's all cool beans Sweet. Well, hey man, this has been awesome. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, it's been ace. Anytime you want to come back on, anytime yeah. you want to chat, um, like anyone is welcome on like my podcast. Anyone from the right side, the left side, black, yellow, <laughs> brown, pink, blue, you're all welcome on. So anyone who wants to argue, like say I'm a weirdo, come on the podcast. Don't do it over like the shitty way people keyboard warrior then like block you. Just come on the podcast and we'll have a discussion yeah. about things. Because that's, yeah. that's how humans, both sides, need to be aired. And that's one of the reasons I've got this. Because, you know, it. it's for 2020, so we need to start afresh. 2021 is where we do the pushback. Hell yeah. I agree we're with that one. We're all God's warriors. So, you know, we, we like need to be as one. Amen. Sweet. Right then, I'm off to get another cup of tea. And... Um, <laughs> I'll give you a me- if like, you can message me all your details, and I'll do that, and we'll sort out the descriptions and that when everything goes on. Cool, cool beans. All right then, catch you soon. All right, peace out, bro. All right, cheers, dude. Bye. Who you? just read it, dude. Mark is bananas. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. Don't listen to him. Follow us on Patreon.com slash NFTIC. That's Patreon.com slash NFTIC.